Praise the Lord. Yes, praise the Lord. It is chat time. Now we will discuss current events and scriptures. Praise the Lord. So we'll continue with some current events here. Um, I I read this article. I don't know. I I copied it to talk about it because it was sad. There's a wife of a mega church pastor in California. North Coast Church, um, who was a mother of five, and she died by suicide. And nearly five hundred dollars has been raised after the um, after the pastor reported, you know, reported that she took her life, and she left behind her husband and five children under the age of six. Wow. So um, she was 28 years old, mm-hmm. the wife of North Coast Coast's teaching pastor is Christopher Hilkin, and he's also the leader of the church's young adult program called Jordan. Um, a staff member from the Vista-based North Coast Church 
who preferred to remain anonymous, recently told the Christian Post that a letter was sent through email to all the church congregants to inform them about her death. However, the source said there are still many details that remain a mystery about her death. Her name is Paige Hilkin. Um, it's a broken world, but the beauty is that Paige is in the presence of the Lord right now. Osborne said, adding that she is no longer tormented by the demons of those thoughts. And I read, I got as far as that, and I'm thinking, Osborne is a, a, another church pastor, but uh, I got as far as that, and I'm thinking, if you commit suicide, you are, it's true, in the presence of the Lord. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, you're at the, I mean, I don't know. I don't well, know what I to mean, think about that. I don't know what no to think about that. where you go, if you make your bed in hell, God is there. Um, I, I know that there's a, a, a standing sort of uh, exception, uh, a standing belief, that's uh, what I'm trying to say, that if a person commits suicide, that there's no chance at salvation. But I say it's how you commit suicide because you don't know if you have done it in such a way that you also have a chance to repent. So I don't know what her circumstance is. So I don't, I can't say where she is as far as her soul. That's no, between, it just makes you wonder. Right, you know, people say Lord. that you're in a better place, you know, oh, where a person commit suicide, you're in a better place. But I, I, I don't know. Right. You I don't, don't know you because don't know. that's rejecting what God is able to do for you. As far as you know. Yeah. But you don't know if a person has had a chance to repent. So you don't, you don't know if it was instantaneous. You don't know if it, if it was lingering. And you don't know. You don't know what the person's last moments with the So Lord my was. question is, if you, if you decide to... Um, commit suicide and you strangle yourself, hang yourself or whatever, and you're hanging there and you got a few moments and you come to yourself and you say, oh God, forgive me, forgive me. <laughs> but, you know, it was so hard to, to you know, does that? I don't know. Because it has to be unto godly repentance. So whatever it is, it has to be something where in your heart the Lord accepts you. If he can accept a thief on the cross, and tell them to this day you'll be with me in paradise. If a person repents and the Lord accepts their repentance, he's God. But I just wouldn't want to be that individual. Just like they used to talk about deathbed salvation. You know, a person's on their deathbed and then, you know, you're praying and maybe a person repents. And while they're on their deathbed, they receive salvation and the Lord still takes them. But that... That's a situation I never want to find myself in, you know, but I have heard of it. I've heard of death, death, salvation, so. Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, uh, the pastor did take a break from serving his roles as the teaching pastor, a leader of the Jordan, to help his wife work through the sudden onslaught of mental and emotional pain that she was battling. And she recently admitted herself into a clinic. But, you know, the first thing when I read that, well, one of the things that came to my mind is that she had five children under the age of six. 
she, her body had no time to recover. Maybe she right. was suffering from postpartum depression. It could be. It could very well be. But you know, this isn't the first time that I've, I think wives of people who are in special, who husbands are in special ministry, they, they have it a little rough. This is uh, uh, one of the second cases, not of suicide, but where I've seen where a marriage has crumbled. Uh, a husband was promoted to the youth ministry. The wife had to pick up and follow her husband. She had to leave her friends, her family, and relocate to a state, a city she knew nothing about, did not like, did not care for, felt isolated, and the marriage couldn't, it didn't survive. You know, I think it's, that's hard enough, so there's no telling when her husband became uh, the minister over the youth, you know, how much time he was spending away from home, how much of the burden was left on her to take care of the children. You just, you know, never know what type of support group she probably did or did not have. You know, you, you find yourself in those situations and then you end up questioning your faith like this one young lady did. And as far as I know, she's not in the church today. Well, uh, it, this article says that she checked into one of the top places in the nation, the, one of the best clinics that deals with what she was going through. But, you know, the article doesn't exactly say what she was going through. It says that um, she was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and other co-occurring mental health issues in this past April. And she lost her battle with mental health diagnosis, taking her life while in a world-class mental health facility in Arizona. Um, they don't say how. They, they don't say how. And I don't know how you can do it in a facility, but I suppose there's a way. After a death by suicide, Pastor Osborne said in his sermon that Christians often find themselves asking questions like, how can this be? How can God allow that? How can a Christian leader go through this? And what did they do to bring this on themselves? And to clarify these questions, Osborne told viewers that he believes with instances such as death by suicide that the scriptures point to the idea that Christians live in a fallen world and fallen things happen to them. So this is another thing that struck me. Because I, I, it goes on to say that mental and emotional brokenness is a part of the fallen world. He said people find mental illness to be a taboo subject because it's something that can't be seen. But we live in a real fallen world and things happen to us. Uh, people uh, do stuff to us. We internally face the ravages of sin. Not our sin, but the sin of a fallen world. Well, I don't know about I all of that. But I, I think that a lot of times when it comes to saints, the reason why it becomes a taboo subject is because we're told that God has given us a sound mind. See, he hasn't given us uh, like the spirit of fear. He's given us a sound mind. And so when you hear of people having what they consider to be mental issues, then you're thinking, well, a saint isn't supposed to have that. They're supposed to have a sound mind. So they, they don't probably understand the difference between dealing with, with stress, dealing with mental issues as opposed to being being mentally ill. I, I think sometimes they have a hard time separating the two. Can a saint suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder? I believe so. 
Yes. And then they have to go to the Lord so that the Lord can undertake for their uh, anxieties and their fears because if the Lord doesn't, it'll, it'll overtake them. See, because the enemy attacks your mind. Your mind is like a sieve. And the things that come to a person's mind, the things that the enemy brings to a saint's mind, that's why the Lord said, gird up the loins of your mind, because the enemy is going to come to attack the mind. And that's where you make a stand and you put up a defense so that whatever in your mind doesn't filter down and become part of your heart. So you don't want it to become so internalized that what's in your mind also takes root into your heart. Your mind is where you filter out those things. That's why the Lord says, you, you know, he told Jeremiah, I'm going to make your forehead like flint. It's going to be hard as steel. You know, it's going to be so that when people come and try to attack your mind, you resist it so that it doesn't take root into your heart. So when the enemy came to Jesus, he came to his mind, tried to reason, tried to bribe, you know, tried to instill fear. But when your heart is made up, and, and you have established in your mind that I am not going to take down, I'm not going to give in, then it can't take root inside you. Okay, but you still feel sad. You still feel... Um, the effects of what's in you, what's going on in your mind. I mean, it's not right, like you're you, always... Right, no. Upbeat and happy and... But when you, but when I you mean, get to that point... I'm, I'm talking from experience. I mean, right. I know when the enemy comes to me and talks to me about stuff and it makes me sad or, you know, how they, the enemy uses other people to come at me and talk to... Tell me about myself and this and you're nothing and you're this right. and, you know, I know it, 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 you know, for that day... I feel but some, damaged, right? You know? But somewhere along the line. But then the next day you wake up and it, it's a new day. The Lord gave you a brand new day and, and brand new mercy. But somewhere in, down the road, something within you, like the Lord said, you gird up the loins of your mind. You stand fast in the liberty whereby He's made us free. Somewhere along the line, you do like the Lord did Satan. You say, "Get behind me!" And after a while, enough is enough. And then, so that it doesn't take root in your heart, you say, get behind me. Well, you take authority. I, I mean, when I go through those things or when people do that to me, I don't think I, it takes root in my heart, but it makes me very, very sad. Right. It makes me sad because it doesn't have to be this way. Right. It makes me sad because um, you want more for the, the, the people who are attacking you. You want them to be saved. You want them to be delivered. You want them... Right. And, but with when, an understanding. But when it starts to try to affect a person's salvation, when it interferes, tries to interfere with their faith, tries to interfere No, with but their, is it okay to just feel like you want to crawl in bed and pull the covers up over your head sometimes, for a few hours, you know? You're right. Sometimes the person needs a, a, a break, a reprieve. But when the enemy tries to push it to the point where a person actually internalizes it so that it takes root in their heart that's when the saint has to fight back with the sword of the spirit because if they're not fighting back with the sword of the spirit it would get past their mind and take root into their heart so yes there's all right the question is when you say it takes root in your heart you start believing what the enemy says about you and you become more despondent and you become more hopeless and you become more of whatever it is that separates you from the lord so instead of listening to God's word, you end up listening to 
what the enemy has said. And so Because I know that that after someone has said stuff to me and, and it makes me cry, it plays like a record. Like mm -hmm. I'm playing in Oh, turning on the radio and it's the same thing over and over and over again and I have to say oh god I gotta stop thinking right. about that that's the point when you reach that point I have to stop thinking about that because that's not what the Lord has said that's not what his promises entail and the enemy is bringing me something that's contrary to the will of God and so you don't want that settling in your heart so you rebuke it and you move past it and then um I don't know. I don't know. It's hard sometimes. Right, because the it, enemy is, is appealing to, hoping that a person's flesh is weak, too weak, to the point where it outweighs the spiritual man. So that's why we crucify our flesh, because the harder it is, the more we have to crucify our flesh and look to the Lord to undertake for us and take us through and to make a way for us out of no way. I don't know. Sometimes if you believe the things that people say about you, you could just, you, you feel lower than, you feel like the worms are looking down on you. Right. You know, you're, you're way That's down why you there. have to know who you are, like Job. He told them, man, you people just need to just go. shut up. He said, because, he said, you are such miserable comforters or you are accusers. He said, if I was in your shoes, I wouldn't have done this. It's like, you have to know. And they said, well, Job, you had to sin. No, I didn't. Job, you have to be this and that. No, I'm not. So you have to know who you are in Christ. You have to say, Lord, you see, you know. If I've done any wrong, Lord, then you show me. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm doing right, Lord, then undertake. And if I do anything I have to correct, then Lord, bless me to correct it. Because when, when the Lord said they had that certain fearful look, I was thinking about that. I said, Lord, I don't want to have a certain fearful look. Tell me what I need to do to be saved so that I have confidence in you so I'm not looking over my shoulder, you know, thinking you sinning and hoping you don't die today. <laughs> you sinning and hoping you don't go in your sleep. No, Lord, I don't want that. I want to lay down in confidence. I want to get up in confidence. I want to know that I'm saved. So I don't care what the enemy says about me. And believe me, they've said a lot of things. Lord, you know. You know my heart. You know my truth. I find myself saying that a lot, you know. Right. You know, I went over and over and over, uh, you know, all of, all of these promises, you know. It's like, you love me, Lord. Right. You care about me. You, your promises are for me. Right. Your word is for me. Your, and I, I'm talking to myself that's when sword, stuff like this happens. That's the sword of the Spirit. So, you, so you, you're saying, Lord, these are your promises. You know my heart. You know how I feel, you know that I mean no harm to anybody, you know, you know, it's like you rehearse God's on word and on and on. You rehearse his word over and over and over again because it becomes it becomes your life. It's not just something in addition to your life. The Lord is your life. And so when the enemy comes to attack, you have to know, just like when they attack Paul. You know, when they say, well, who do you think you are, Paul? You know, you are of the original 12. You know, why should we look to you? You talk like you have authority, like you were with Christ. You weren't of the original 12 apostles that were in his inner circle. Paul said, when I come, I'm coming in the power of the Holy Ghost. And so he knew who he was. 
in the Lord. Yeah, he, he knew who he was, but you know, do you think he ever had a moment where he was like irritated or sad? Or? He was irritated, but never doubting who he was in no, Christ. No, never doubting. And I don't think I ever feel like I'm. Well, if a person try to make a person feel lower than low, they said, "No, I'm somebody in Christ." And, and said, "So you can I mean, take that someplace else." You feel that way. Because people have a way with words, I'm telling you. Yeah, they do, but you say, well, then after a while... But I don't have that kind of personality where I rise up and I just, you know, I... I, Well, you don't have to rise up, but you just have to have that personality put in yourself where you say, Lord, I thank you because I know who I am in Christ. They said they have no clue. And like the Lord says, when they do it to the least of his little ones, they have no clue what they're doing. They have no clue who they're attacking. They don't have any inkling of the seriousness of their actions. Anyway, moving on, uh, this pastor, Osborne, who, by the way, is not the husband of this woman who committed suicide, told the congregation that he had faced the effects of living in a fallen world firsthand because he suffered from anxiety attacks. And he said the anxiety attacks would happen due to a fear that he might faint on stage while preaching. Um, He recalled how before he preached, he would have pastors and other members of the church staff lay hands on him and pray for him in the hope that his anxiety attacks would stop occurring. However, he said that during that time, no matter who prayed for him and how hard he prayed, he continued to have anxiety attacks. And then he began to wonder what was wrong with his faith and why he couldn't just suck it up and stand on the stage. Eventually, he said he had to take a drug to alleviate his panic attacks and was able to get out of the vicious cycle of overthinking. And then he said, when you have anxiety attacks, it's just like a heart attack that grips you, that sweat that comes down everywhere, out of the blue, unable to think clearly, you know, and he said the anxiety attacks, the anxiety attacks was a brokenness in me. I don't understand this. Due to, not due to failure or due to sin, but it was a chemical imbalance. That I can understand. I'm here as one of your pastors to tell you that I couldn't pray my way out. I couldn't talk my way out. I couldn't counsel to get out. Uh, because something was broken, because I'm a sinner living in a sinful world and I suffer brokenness, not even because of my own sin, but because I'm a child of Adam and Eve like every one of us. So that part I don't get. His statements are contradictory to me. If he's saying he had a chemical imbalance, then he had a chemical imbalance. You know, that's just all there is to it. And the same way people have because uh, the chemical imbalance is physical. So same way people have physical ailments, whether it's uh, diabetes, whether it's you know uh, something heart problems or kidney problems, you know you you have a physical ailment. But it's like he's mixing apples and oranges, you know. So I, I, don't, I mean, I, I get don't exactly I don't what understand he's what he's trying to say. The uh, we live. I know we live in a fallen world. I don't know what he means by that either. But what does that have to do with your, with you, if you're saved? I have no idea what he's saying because uh, I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. All I know is that when it comes to 
Now, the unless enemy, he's the saying enemy that will attract to attack your mind because God has given us enough scriptures where we have to guard our mind, where we have to strengthen our resolve in our mind because that's where the enemy comes to so attack you're our mind. That it's okay for a saint to be on a medication for their mind or for anxiety attacks? If it's or... a physical imbalance, yes. Yes, it, it, you know, I'm thinking, you know, there, there are people who are born with, with certain, uh, either it's over uh, compensated for or undercompensated for, and they find out that they have a lack of something, and if you have to make up the difference, it gives a physical effect, yes. Well, anyway, I feel for this family. Um, I feel for the, I, I don't know if I personally would have had one child every year for five years and struggled with six I don't know five kids under six right that, that's a lot I think that puts a toll on your body yes. and um, yes. your mind and not not only that but the stress of being a pastor's wife and and everything that's a lot mm-hmm. that's a lot so I feel for the family so you know you pray for them. I know that they've raised nearly $500,000 on uh, um, what is that? Um, GoFundMe? Yeah, the GoFundMe page. And um, I don't know. God does not allow I don't think God allows suicide. I mean, I mean, he allows it, I suppose, because you're going in your own way. But he, uh, he no, himself is not saying No, no. But to say that a person, if they have committed suicide, there is no hope for anybody who has committed suicide, I can't say that. I can't, personally. Anyway. So that takes care of that. We didn't get very far, but one topic (laughs) for this program. We'll have to continue next week. Yes. Praise the Lord. And let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Today's verse of the day comes from 1 John 4 and 16. And we have known and believed the love that Christ has to us. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God. God in him. Now ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was when you seek the Lord when do you think you'd find him? And the answer is, when you search him with all your heart. And that answer can be found in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when you, when you shall search for me with all your heart. This week's food for thought is, bread of deceit is sweet to a man. But what happens afterwards? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.